Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you again for joining me this week and I hope you're all doing well out there without Bulls basketball. We're kind of in the dead zone of the offseason and if I'm being honest, I've enjoyed the break from the Bulls. It's allowed me to do some other things, I guess, that, that I don't necessarily get a chance to do, focus on those other hobbies and how even talk to people about other things outside of basketball. So I haven't really missed basketball that much, that much at this point, but it's that way for me because I still get my fill of Bulls talk by doing this podcast. So even if there isn't really that much to talk about, which I guess today is an example of that. There isn't a lot of Bulls news out there. So maybe outside of the David Nwaba news, that you know he obviously officially is leaving the Chicago Bulls and he's headed towards the Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe we could talk some Raleigh Alkins joining the Bulls on a two-way contract, but again, not huge news, and I guess probably even smaller than that is uh, Ryan Archidiakono coming back, being re-signed. So again, there's smaller moves on the periphery. They're probably like five-minute segments, if that each. So not not a lot of uh, noteworthy news to go over. So still, though, that doesn't mean I'd ha- there isn't nothing to talk about Bulls. I, I think we can still fill, uh, fill an hour here of just rambling on about something related to this team. So... Today's show is an example of that, so what I thought I'd do is sort of do two birds, or take a two birds, one stone approach, and and what I mean by that is, it's been a while since I've done a mailbag episode, and and they're always some of my favorite shows, because I get to talk about everything and anything based on what you guys send in, and you've done another great job of sending in your questions this time around, and also, it's been some time since my guest this this week has uh, last appeared on Bulls HQ, so he will be here to help me answer your questions 
If you heard the last episode, I hinted at his appearance on the pod and I mentioned that he, depending on your own views, is likely someone who is either loved or loathed amongst the Bulls community. I've had a few uh, requests to get him back on the show, so I've begrudgingly done so for you guys. So don't ever say I don't do things for you guys. But anyways, you probably know who I'm referencing here. But for those unaware, he's the host of the Chicago Bulls Eye and Big Red Bus podcast, the head of the Sea Red Army, the most optimistic slash borderline clinically insane fan I know, as well as now being the Al Bundy of Bulls Twitter. I'm, of course, speaking about the one, the only, Mr. Frederick M. Pfeiffer, and he joins me now. Fred, how are you, sir? Mark, friend of years, friend of tears. I'm living the dream. I couldn't be happier. I spent the day at the pool with my uh, son and nephew, and uh, unfortunately, I, I I neglected to, on my right foot, put sunscreen. So I've been limping around like uh, Willis Reed from 1970, <laughs> the Knicks. Uh, and anyone who doesn't get that reference, go, go, go Google it. And you need to know your basketball history. But outside of that, I am doing fantastic. How are you, brother? It's always good to talk to you. I'm well, mate, and what a sight that would have been to see you at the pool limping around. What a what a sight to behold. <laughs> well, An image I can't I get out of my head now. I wasn't limping around at the pool. I was fine at the pool. I didn't realize I missed the sunscreen on the top of my right foot. Now I, I've been walking around the house like that. But outside of that, man, I can't – I am so pumped. I, I wish the season started tomorrow. I've been, I've been on cloud nine ever since the Parker signing. I am, like, living the dream. I'm so excited. I can't wait to talk Bulls with you, brother. Well, that's why I got you on. That's why I got you on. I've had a few requests to get you back on the show. Everyone loves having you. Well, not everyone. Some people like Fred around. <laughs> oh, thank you. Some, thank you. only some. But look, let's 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 go in, get into this because I know we've only probably got about 45, 50 minutes to get through this. And we're doing a mailbag episode here, Fred, and we've got a lot of questions. A lot of them not so serious, but some are serious. So we've got about 20 to get through if we can get through them all. So again, thanks to everyone for sending these questions in, but they're pretty far-ranging. There's some funny ones in here. There's a lot about Jabari, Denzel Valentine, as you'd expect. Oh, here we <laughs> given, go. Given our, um, our online uh, issues that we've had around Valentine. But let's get stuck in it. I won't spend too much time talking Jabari Parker because I know you and I can get into that for hours and maybe we can talk about that in the future. But Oh, no, we, we got to talk a little bit about it. We will, we will. It's the news of the day. Well, yeah, all right. sounds good. Uh, it's the news of three weeks ago, but <laughs> let's 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 start this thing out with Jabari. We won't talk too much, but let's start with a question that we got here from Max at underscore the Max Factor on Twitter. What would it take for the Bulls to decline Jabari Parker's option there, Fred? Well, he would have to have a disastrous year or another unfortunate injury. I mean, without a doubt, for them to decline it. And also, I think one thing I've I've kind of come to the realization about after uh, some inside info from. Luckily, the last my uh, quasi celebrity status in Chicago has allowed me to get some significant contacts in the NBA community. A lot of these conversations about major free agents going to other cities happen well in advance through the agents, through their contacts with teams. So if the Bulls have a legitimate shot, a guy like Clay Thompson, who is my probably my number one target or, you know, Kevin Durant or someone of that ilk, um, that's going to be known beforehand to some degree, that they'll have an opportunity to get him. And I think they'll have a great sway in whether or not they, they keep him on the team. I mean, if, if he has a bad year, uh, obviously they'll let him go. If he has another injury, obviously they'll let him go. And number three is if, you know, word starts spreading around that we have a legit shot at one of the major free agents that will be available next year, then he'll be gone. So what say you? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree there. The, the the main and the first one you think about when you think about Jabari is injury. Obviously, he's had those two ACLs, which is unfortunate for him, and hopefully he doesn't sustain another one or anything similar to that. But if if he were to, if that were to happen, then obviously that's probably when the Bulls would decline. That's that's the whole entire point of this contract to protect themselves from an injury. But even beyond that, if he does remain injury free, but he just doesn't necessarily play well or isn't necessarily a small forward, he doesn't fit with the team, then I think that's also an option as to why they would part ways with Parker. And for me, I don't think he's a small forward. I know you think he is, you're convinced he is, but I think that also may be a factor, the fact that he may not be a fit there long-term at small forward, the fact that he could be better suited as a power forward. I mean, he probably is slightly better suited as a power forward. I just believe he can play the three. And his best year with the Bucks by far, when he averaged 20.1 points before his second ACL injury, that was the, he spent more time there than in any one of his other students, Milwaukee at the three, he played almost a third of his minutes at the three. So it's not like it's, he's never done it before. It's not like it's impossible that he can do it. Uh, I think if he, you know, loses a little bit of weight, ideally puts a little bit less pressure on his knees, a little bit less weight. He can play the three. Uh, either way, I think he's a fantastic player. I think getting lost in this. Where's he going to be? Is he taking minutes away from Markin? And this guy, I mean, I've gone back and watched tape, and I'm just like shocked that more people aren't excited about this because he his offensive skills are are just it, it's rare to see a guy that 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 tall, that big, that fast, that 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 athletic. The offensive offensive skill set he has. Plus, he shot 38 percent from three last year. And in case. You know, you're living under a rock. The NBA is all about hitting the three. And only Valentine, uh, with a significant number of attempts, shot better than than his percentage at 38% on this Bulls team. We need three-point shooting. He's here, He's and he, he's ready to bring it. Yeah, I mean, if you can be really work on that three-point shot even more and become a consistent 38% shooter and work off-ball, I think there's more potential for this signing to... To, to look a little better than what what I initially thought it would. Um, well, to that point, though, let's hold right there. Your show, your previous Bulls HQ, which I uh, highly recommend everyone listen to. You listen for, to it. I'm surprised. I, when I'm in a bad mood, I like to listen to it for the laughs. and It's always <laughs> enjoyable. No, but honestly, the last show uh, I loved was when you brought in the guy from, I think it was Locked On Bucks, and yeah. he mentioned the first two years, those morons didn't allow him to shoot the three, which is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I mean, it's it's insanity how badly they handled this kid. Um, you know, Jason Kidd's one of the best point guards of all time. He was an awful coach. And to tell Jabari Parker, we don't want you shooting three, when he clearly has that ability and he showed it last year, it's just mind-boggling. So I think what you're going to see is a lot more closer to that 38% than we did, you know, his first two years because he didn't shoot it enough. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I wanted to have Eric on because I wanted to get someone that's watched every single game of Jabari Parker on to give me the overview because I've only watched, I don't know, maybe 50. But that that's the important point that, you know, he said, he did say some things in that in that interview that I had with him that did make me think this could work or made me more positive than what I initially was and the fact that he works off ball. He's, um, he's obviously improved as a shooter, and you mentioned the coaching there. That was a problem there for the Milwaukee Bucks. So whilst I still question how good Jabari can be, there are some things to at least consider that may be better. It's better suited for him here in Chicago. But yeah, look, hopefully the all things go well and the Bulls don't need to decline his option. 
but uh, we, we shall see. But Fred, you mentioned Denzel Valentine before, and in the interest of time, we've got a lot of questions about Denzel Valentine. So oh, God. let's move on to Denzel. A lot of these aren't very serious at all, but that's what I want to do. It's the off-season. Who cares about basketball and keeping it serious at this point? But this one comes in from uh, Patrick Overturf. He asks, Denzel Valentine, great basketball player or the greatest basketball player? What do you think there, Fred? <laughs> All right, I'm going to get into this. <laughs> let's just let's just forget about everything. I know it's a tongue in cheek. March 17th, 2018, Denzel scores 34 against the Cavs. Now, after that game, right? Yeah. After that game, if I spent the next three weeks, you know, tweet, tweeting a link out of all the highlights and summarizing it with like, uh, you know, Valentine's the best player in the Eastern Conference. End quote. If I did that for three straight weeks. That would still be more intelligent than the tweets I received after that glorified <laughs> pickup game with those fake refs. Because at least Valentine did on NBA level. I mean, I don't know who Frank Nitty is. I, I, I don't care. I know, uh, you know, he's victimized uh, a couple guys, great players in the Drew League. You know, Robinson, I think, DeRozan, Arenas. There's a couple other guys I know he's done. He seems like a first-class douchebag to me. I, I hope he's a good guy. I hope he devotes his time to the community. I hope he works hard building people up instead of tearing them down. I think he has an obvious case, a roaring case of short man's disease. Um, how tall are you, Mark? How tall are you? I'm just curious. How tall are you? Uh, I'm, a, I'm, very, I'm a very tall 5'9", I reckon, 5'10". Oh, on a there good you day. go. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, you've met guys that are, you know, like that. Well, he's obviously playing at a higher level of basketball, but I'm sure he's pretty close to six foot. I'm six foot. And, you know, so we can all sympathize. He seems like he's got that, you know, hey, I'm, sh- I'm too short to play in the league. And... All the best aspects of basketball that Valentine does well, you know, teamwork, um, great, you know, just just passing. You, you don't see that in the Drew League. You know, the things I love, teamwork, sportsmanship, being part of something greater than yourself, great team defense. That's, that's not what you're going to find in that joke of a league. I mean, I, some people enjoy that nonsense. Hey, go knock yourself out. I don't care. What Vi- Valentine does well, passing, rebounding, shooting the three, involving his teammates, putting forth an effort. Uh, you know, to, for to actual teammates to actually put forth an effort to get open, it's absent in that league. You know, you're not going to find it there. So I know Harden showed up after Valentine and little Frank scored 23 on him or whatever. And he had the Heinrich special, a six of 17 from the field. I would jump through a window rather than watch that nonsense. So all you guys tweeting me about this uh, insignificant pickup game, go pound sand. Valentine shot 38% from three last year. I have my doubt little Frank could do that uh, from the free throw line when the big boy lights are on. So he's 29 years old, too. I mean, what a joke. You know, so. <laughs> but you understand, or maybe you don't, why people come at you about this whole Valentine thing. Right? Of course. You of understand course. why I this said, has happened. I, I, I said Valentine is a poor man's Paul Pierce. Uh, no, <laughs> I, is that what I said? Or Rich? I can't say. You said I, he I, will I, be I, Paul Pierce like in his second season. <laughs> Which was a completely stupid thing to say. and It, it was actually very true. Oh, I course. was referring to the 41-year-old Paul Pierce. Right, That's okay. it. They're exactly the same. No, I, I mean, I'm kidding. But, I mean, yeah, it was, all right, I, I might have gone a little bit over my skis just on a little, that prediction. Just a little. But there's no doubt that Valentine, from his, fr- from his first year to his second year, showed tremendous improvement. He's clearly, just with his three-point shooting, NBA-worthy. And I think you're seeing. I think you're going to be surprised what you see in the next year. A couple of things he does well. People don't talk about rebounds very well for his position. I think he handles the ball really well, passes it well, and shoots it well. What, what else do you want? 
Well, I'd like some defense, but we can't have all things. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, this this yeah. next question, again, about Denzel Valentine. And this one's aimed at you, Fred. Oh, my This Lord. one's from at Greek Bulls fan. So this isn't my burner account, but he asks, any chance for the big red Leviathan to win a title with Denzel in the rotation? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so course. here's of course. the big red. Yeah, let, let me explain something here. Okay. 2010 and 11. I can't. Uh, uh, how old were you then, Mark? Like 10? <laughs> I don't even know how old you are. Wait, in 2011? Uh, I, yeah, 20, 2010, 2010. 2009-2010. You remember that Bulls team? Yeah, of course. All right, you remember the core four was on that Bulls team. You had Rose, you had Dang, you had Noah, you had Taj. That was Taj's rookie year. That team won 41 games. And almost every person I talked to, I'll never forget that summer. You know, I think this team has a lot. It, that, that was a summer that, you know, LeBron didn't choose us. But, but. You know, they they tri- they got rid of Heinrich's carcass. They had to give up a number one pick to get rid of him. And then they started signing Corver and they signed Boozer and they made all these nice little signings. And suddenly, when you get growth from the young guys, you got a team that's in the Eastern Conference fa- Finals. It can happen that quick. It can happen that quick. Markinen, Levine, Parker, Dunn, Wendell Carter Jr., Valentine Portis. Those seven guys, I believe the core of our seven title team is already here. I'm sticking to this. And people are laughing and thinking it's a joke. I said the same thing in 2000, in 2009, that summer, 2010. If we get some growth from our young guys, and lo and behold, you know, uh, Rose turns into the MVP and, and all the, and Noah improves tremendously. It's all you need. It's all you need. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that those seven guys could pr- progress enough that this team and, very short order is very good. So that was your long way, a long-winded way of say, saying Denzel can be in the rotation for the uh, the big red Leviathan. <laughs> Am I correct in saying that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, great. Thanks for that response, yeah. there, Fred. <laughs> sure. Did you enjoy it? Oh, it was great. Thank you. Um, the next question <laughs> yeah. comes in from at Bulls fan or Bulls Whisker, I should say, on Twitter. He asks, "If Justin Holiday was the same age as Denzel Valentine, a Valentine, who would CBE Fred choose to keep on the team?" Interesting question. So we're obviously making Holiday a little younger. I don't find it that interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly Valentine's much better player. Is he? Valentine shot 38% from three. What does this team need? When you, we got, you're playing with Fred Hoiberg, you got to have three-point shooters. He was our best three-point shooter. I, I think Holiday's a decent player. I don't, I don't think he's – he's not clearly not a better passer than Valentine. He's not a better rebounder if you go by any of the advanced metrics that we all like to talk about. He's not a better three-point shooter. He's, be- he's slightly better defensively. I think Holiday's defense is very overrated. Holiday's the one guy in this team you got to trade, or you know, he might fill in. I don't mind Holiday coming off the bench at all, um, and I think he can go from the two and the three just like Valentine can. So I think there may be a spot for him, but uh, I expect Valentine to be ahead of Holiday. What say you, brother? Uh, I don't really care to be honest with you. I mean, they're two players that I don't necessarily care too much about. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, make you care. I mean, uh, I think Holiday will. Uh, he'll be a trade piece come the season. It doesn't really make sense to keep him around. It, it would make sense to give Valentine more minutes. You've got Hutchinson, who you've drafted as a small forward, who will need minutes. Obviously, Levine and Parker will start, so they're going to need their minutes. But there's also, I guess, Blakeney on the bench, who's been promoted into the full time roster, and and maybe. Maybe he gets a game or two, but Raleigh Elkins there, who's been um, added as a two-way contract, maybe he's someone you take a look at on the wing as well. So the Bulls have got maybe sure. five to six guys 
who have their flaws, but you want to at least get some minutes into. So I don't know if Holiday is going to be here for the long term. So to answer your question and to be a little serious for a moment, you know, I'd probably rather have Valentine as well than Holiday. But... There you go. Bringing continents together. That, that's a logical Valentine always... take, unlike uh, some of yours. But look, let's let's move on to another question, which I find interesting. Hopefully you do too on this occasion, Fred. But this one comes in from Sir Brian G2 on Twitter. He asks, with Jabari and Hutchinson cutting into his playing time, what should we expect from Denzel? Should he be traded? What would reasonable value be? And the reason that's interesting because you've been super high on this Parker signing. And if he if Parker lives up to what you hope he can be, he should be playing 30, 35 minutes a game. And if that's the case, where does that sort of leave someone like Denzel? I, I are all these going to be Denzel Valentine questions? I'm shocked. Let me number one, all these issues usually get taken care of them. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that they get taken care of themselves usually. Um, nobody expected, uh, Bobby to punch out, you know, Nico last year, but it, you know, it happened. Injuries happen. I'm not saying we should expect another fisticuff and another, you know, two month injury, but injuries happen all the time. The thing I like about Valentine is he, I believe he can play any position offensively from the one to the three. He's, he can play the point. He's that good of a passer facilitator. Uh, he can play the two, he can play the three. So he can throw Valentine in at three different positions. I mean, if things get really ugly and, and campaign gets hurt or, you know, Ryan Archie not in the NBA, you know, gets gets hurt, you can always throw him at the point guard position, get some minutes there. I mean, he's not going to guard any of those positions especially well, but it's a team defensive game. Uh, I'm not worried about it at all. Chandler, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about Hutchinson. I, I kind of expected him to do. I was up and down on him and all watching the summer league. I guess it's kind of expected. You could see he's got excellent athleticism. I think he's got potential to be a great defensive player, but um, I wasn't blown away. I just, it's, it's so important to me in today's NBA. You got to be able to hit the outside jumper with consistency, especially from beyond the three point arc. And if you can't do that, it's going to be rough. Yeah, no, I agree. So I don't think we should be expecting much from Hutchison come opening night or even the first few months of the season. I think he's going to have to work his way into the rotation. And based on Summer League, there were some good things. There were some concerning things. But again, it's Summer League. It's hard to hard to know what will carry over. But uh, he did look uh, like, a, like a deer in the headlights on occasions there in Summer League. And obviously, the NBA is just going to be a completely different game as well. So we'll see what we get out of Hutchinson. But I don't think he'll be taking minutes away from Valentine. But if Levine and Parker really turn out to be worth their contracts, and hopefully, fingers crossed, that's the case, then I don't know where that leads Denzel, but we shall see, particularly as he thought he should be starting for the Bulls next season, but obviously that won't be happening. But let's move on to well, some next questions. hold on a second. Oh, just really quick comment on that. Every player in the NBA should, should feel that they should be starting. I don't understand why people are making a big deal about that. If you don't have the mentality that you should be starting, I don't think you should be in the league. Some veterans have, you know, kind of carved out a bench role, you know, like uh, Jamal Crawford. Yeah, sure. They shouldn't be starting. They expect to be six man. But anybody who's his age, Valentine, is 24, doesn't feel he should be a starter. I, I got a question whether or not they should be in the league. Go on. Well, great point, Fred. I'm really uh, Thank you. It was. more knowledgeable for you making that point, but I uh, appreciate it. But let's move on to the next question. So this one, um, I guess, I guess conflates two worlds here. So it's a bit of your, I guess, pet player and, and definitely mine. So this one comes in from at Tweet6. He asks, name three areas of Denzel Valentine's game where he can improve to be half the player 
that Kirk Heinrich was. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> Half the and, player Kirk Heinrich. Oh, my God. And, and to that point, Dan O'Connell asks, who will have the greater Bulls career? Captain Kurt or Denzel Valentine? So roll those two questions into one, Fred. What does Valentine need to do to be half as good a player as Kirk Heinrich was? And assuming he can even do that, will he have a better career as a Bull than Kirk Heinrich? Well, he's got to get a better PR staff. I mean, that was a big part of Kirk's early career is, you know, the PR movement with Neil Funk acting like, you know, 6 at 17, which he regularly threw up in years one and two when he shot below 40% from the field where we're something to, you know, write home about. And, wow, we got a great young player. And, you know, and then go on and, and have a couple decent seasons. And then, and of course, in 07, 08, where he just collapsed as a basketball player and never once achieved, you know, average status. So are you saying John Paxson made a bad that. move then in, in, in drafting uh, I, Kirk Hey, I was never high in that move, but I think the vast majority <laughs> of Bulls, I, uh, people who were with me at the draft party when they drafted Heinrich, I stood up and screamed, no. Uh, I I thought Heinrich was the most overrated college player I ever saw, which was kind of proven in his embarrassing performance against Carmelo Anthony in Syracuse when I think he shot 6 of 20, which he just brought in a right to the NBA. Um Heinrich's the most overrated player I've ever seen in a Bulls uniform. Like I said, he had three good seasons, uh, 06, 07 being his best. He was fantastic. In the playoffs in, in 07, go look it up. His his stats are a travesty. It was a complete embarrassment. And for some reason, from that point forward, he never once again played at like a starter level. You know, And I'm glad for it because we wouldn't have drafted Rose if he didn't have his abomination of a season in 07 and 08. But he never once was great. And it was, he got so bad that we had to send a number one pick just to get his uh, inflated contract out of town in 2010. So obviously, it won't, uh, Valentine won't go down that road because there's no way we're going to give him a bloated, fat contract you know, based on his performance so far. What was the question? I don't even know. I'm kind of falling asleep here. I'm going on a tangent. Yeah, you typically tend to <laughs> do that. You go on a I've been in you tend to go on a crazy rant that's not related to these <laughs> these questions. So I'm not sure if you're necessarily answering what the uh, the well, questioners have asked. But. All right, let me just throw it out to you and this Heinrich fan to send in this stupid question. Here we go. I got it. I got one question for you. The right. best two teams. How is Kirk Heinrich one of the best Bulls of all time? If the best two teams in the last 20 years for Chicago Bulls were the only two teams he wasn't on. So let me let me rephrase that. When we traded his rear end to Washington. We then went on to the Eastern Conference Finals in the next season, and the following season was the horrific ending of you know Derrick Rose. That, uh, those two teams, that team won 50 in a strike-shortened year. The previous team won 60. Kirk shows up the next season. We won 50 one more time. Uh, like I, I don't understand this love of Kirk Heinrich when, or how anyone could even argue that he should have his number retired when his his career in Chicago – was too, you know, was basically separated by a period where he was traded, and those were our two best seasons. How do you well, explain that? Well, there's not many. First, let me say, there's not many people that are actually arguing for his jersey to be retired. There's probably two or three people that you're assuming that, that, that they speak on the on the basis of, you know, fifty thousand Bulls fans or something stupid like that. Do so, you feel it should be retired? Of course not. If I'm being if I'm being uh, truthful or logical, of course his number shouldn't be retired, but he should be remembered as someone, as the first piece that, coming out of that Krauss era, he was the first pick that John Pax had made that helped set the tone for how, where the franchise was headed. And as a, as a Paxson guy, which you that. are, I don't understand how you can hate Heinrich for that. He helped I, change I, I, the course of where this franchise was headed. 
I'm, I'm very happy with some of his early seasons. I have never wavered off of that stance up well, until 07. Well, there go you look go. at those playoff numbers in 07. It'll make you put you in a three week depression. Let's go on to the next question. We, look, we, we all have bad days. Week. You have more than most, but Kirk had his bad times there in, in those playoffs. But look, he, he was right. a good bull, a very good bull, and he, um, he embodied what we like in Chicago Bulls. So that's, that's something else to consider there, Fred. But. This one, the last one about Kirk, I believe at the at the moment at least. This one comes in from Brendan Hoover. He asks, "This is very oh, important, no. Fred. I need your best answer." Tibbs and Kirk are trapped in a burning building. You have one to save. <laughs> Who are you saving and why? Oh my God! Um, oh, this would be easy. Kirk's a, a father of four, four beautiful daughters. I'm saving Kirk. What has Tibbs ever produced? <laughs> Outside of flatulence and and just you know general BS, I'm I'm, I'm getting Kirk on my back. Great defensive schemes. There. there you go. The sixty win season that you referenced before. Oh, he produced that. Well, he was had a big part to do of with that. Derek had nothing to do with Noah. That's a, you want to go down the Tibbs road? No, I, I don't. I don't. Road. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. All right, we'll go on to the next one. Then. Let's go. <laughs> so you're saving Kirk because of his uh, he's he's a family man. He's good a father you. of four beautiful daughters. Of course, I'm saving him. Tibbs, That's good uh, answer. People will go on. That's a good answer. Good good answer, Fred. Let's move on from Denzel and Kirk Heinrich. Let's talk about a player with actual upside. It's Wendell Carter Jr. So we've got a couple here. So this one comes in from um, Joe Kaziak on Twitter. He asks, "How many minutes?" are the right amount for Wendell Carter Jr. in his rookie season? What do you reckon, Fred? That's a great question. Now we're getting there. You know, it, um, I think Wendell Carter Jr., there's two guys on this Bulls team. Everybody's, you know, uh, just wringing their hands. Where are we going to find defense? We're going to find defense. I think there's three players on this team, two that have first-team All-NBA defensive potential, one of them being Wendell Carter Jr. I saw it at Duke. I watched a ton of tape. There, this guy is just stellar. He does everything well in the defensive end. I thought his concerns on his lateral quickness were far were well overstated, and that was, uh, I think my, um, I think my opinion was was found to be correct just by a summer league play. I, you know, I love Lopez, and I think he's such a rock solid defender too that it's kind of hard for me just to say that Wendell Carter should be starting. I think it'd probably be better if we started Lopez and brought Wendell Carter off the bench. And you could, I, I could see you. He could even play seamlessly between the four and the five. I probably say I want to see Carter get twenty-five minutes a game in his rookie season. And I think you're going to see a player get much, much better as the season goes on. Just strictly because I think the refs. It, it always seems to me the refs give rookies a hard time, and I, I have concerns that they'll do the same with Carter once they start giving him the respect he deserves. I think he's going to be one of the best defenders in the NBA for a long time to come. Well, let's hope so. So, I mean, I, I, I loved what I saw from Wendell Carter Jr. in Summer League, and I'm hopeful that he and marketing can be the core pieces moving forward for this team, and, and it's sort of trending that way. But as to the question, how many minutes should he play in his rookie season, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to politics, as it always does with rookies. So Fred mentioned there, Robin Lopez, he should start. He's the veteran of this team. He sacrificed for the team in the back half of the last season. He's still a good player, and he was important next to Larry Markin and next uh, last season, rather. So he should still start playing about 20 minutes a game. So that probably leaves around 28 minutes left at the center position. So you could easily give them all to Wendell Carter Jr., but if for whatever reason Jabari Parker proves to be more of a power forward than a small forward, then that 
that pushes Parker to power forward. That moves it means it pushes guys like Portis and Markin into center. So that may reduce Wendell Carter's minutes. So it kind of depends on what happens around him. So I would probably say the right amount for Wendell Carter Jr. is probably somewhere in 20 to 25 minute range, as Fred said. But I don't think he's going to get it. I think he's going to get closer to 15 to 18. But you know that a lot of it's dependent on those around him. But we'll see what happens. But Fred, the I next- think you're in agreement. I think you're in agreement, though, about him. I, I know you're part of Dog Bull Nation, but before that, you were almost, you know, C-Red Fred Mark style on pre-Parker signing with your excitement about Wendell Carter Jr. And I think you see what I do, which is this is a guy that not only has, you know, tremendous skills offensively, but he makes everyone else better. He sets excellent picks. He's got great passing skills. He's one of those guys like Taj was that will immediately improve your team just because he does so many things well that, don't necessarily show up in the in the basic stats. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you mentioned stats there. So this question came in from Matt Gentile on Twitter. He asked, what's a re- realistic rookie season look like st- uh, statistically from Wendell Carter Jr.? Now, obviously, that sort of goes hand in hand with the, the question we just asked. It's going to be a lot dependent on minutes. But what do you reckon, Fred? What sort of stats do you think uh, Carter Jr. will be putting up in year one? 8-8-4, just because I don't think he'll have enough time. So, Four assists. You know, eight point- uh, no, I'll go down a little bit more than that. Eight, eight, three. I think he's going to have about three assists a game. I think Jeez, you're going to be really impressed with, well, it's hey, he, he averaged two assists in college for, for in, in limited period of time. And I think the NBA game will definitely, uh, allow him to show off more of his passing ability than he, than it did in college, which was a lot more based on every Duke game. I watched getting the ball down to Bagley and letting him, to do something in the post. I think there's going to be a lot more movement with this. He's going to do about an 8-8-3, which I think would be great. 8-8-4 maybe. Honestly, I think I think people are going to the, – the, the one skill of Carter's that people are going to blow him away is his passing. It's much better than it was uh, advertised. Oh, no, he's definitely a good passer. He's certainly a good cut passer. I'm not, I'm not contesting that. But four assists in, say, 20, 25 minutes from a center, that, that's a lot. So I don't think that's – You're right. That's probably not going to happen. You're right. It'll probably be closer to one and a half, two, but I think eight and eight sounds pretty reasonable as well. Whether you want to go nine and seven or you know eight and ten or somewhere in that vicinity, eight and eight's probably a good place to round it off. And again, it will all come down to minutes and and opportunity for Wendell Carter Jr. But yeah, I, I, even if he was to have an eight and eight season, that doesn't necessarily put a ceiling on what he will be going forward if he's playing twenty minutes a game and averaging eight points, eight rebounds in his first uh, first season. Maybe some Bulls fans would like a, a little bit more glitz and glamour, but that would be a productive rookie year. But um, Fred, we it sounds like we agree there, which is interesting. But um, let's move on. You ever notice how we agree so much in all these podcasts? It's, it's concerning. It's concerning. It, it really is because we, we we're we're in such opposite ends on Twitter, and then we get together, and it's just like the Beatles in, in harmony. Oh, that's exactly what I thought Gees. it would be like. Yeah. Yeah. There a- we go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, these next few questions—they're they're random ones, I guess. There's no necessary, there's no real theme. They they come from all over the place, so they're, they're different players, different different themes, as I mentioned there. So let's start with his first one. It comes in from uh, Felipe Carbo Hayes. He asks if Bobby Portis is seeking something around thirteen million dollars per year in his next contract. Would you try to trade him for a late first, early second, and uh, moving at the deadline? Or would you keep him around to, to bring him back on a deal in the vicinity of $13 million? What would you be thinking for it? So he's the one guy in the team I really am 
I, I'm, I don't have a, a really strong idea on what they're going to do. And I don't know what they're, you know, I, I don't know what's the best answer here. Cause I thought last year at some points he was absolutely fantastic on the offensive end. I think he's got a very high ceiling as far as hitting the three and shooting for a big guy. And I think that's, you know, obviously where the league's going, but he's so awful defensively. It's kind of a, a bad combo in a way that, you know, he can't bring it at all defensively. I think he's just really bad and he doesn't provide any rim defense and the team's kind of loaded now, you know, all of a sudden at the four, because Parker can give you minutes at the four. Wendell Carter Jr. I think is going to be a stud. You got Lopez, you got Markin in. He's like kind of like the odd man out in a way. If if he's having a, another great year like he did last year and you can get some for him, he's a one guy I'd probably move. Because um, I'm not in love with him. I like him a lot. I'm just, I'm not in love with him. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to, willing to bet, you probably feel the same. Yeah, I'm not a big Bobby Portis fan, particularly after what he uh, did last preseason. That's obviously he played well afterwards and, and really showed himself out. And But I don't like the fact that he did that to, to, to Miritich. It's, it, you know, whenever someone does something similar of that nature, it, it kind of puts me off straight away. And, and given the fact that he's a flawed player, he's a, he's a bench guy, I don't think he's someone that you definitely have to keep around. And look, I think Jabari Parker's more of a four than, and than a three. And, and if Parker proves to have a good season, I don't know where that leaves Portis because Portis is more of a four than a five. So I don't know. I'm kind of if I'm Bobby Portis though I'm I'm kind of annoyed that the Bulls bring in Parker because every every year that uh, Portis has been here he's sort of been behind in the rotation whether it was Absolutely. behind Gasol Noah Miritich Gibson and then even last season as as the franchise was sort of turning over the um the power forward position to Nikola Miritich then in comes Larry Markin and a power forward. He obviously is now the centerpiece. Now come uh, Jabari Parker comes in. It's it's like the franchise is always bringing in competition to take minutes away from um, Porter. So if I'm him, I'm kind of annoyed that I keep getting relegated to this backup power forward position or even backup center. So it'll be interesting to see what Bobby Portis wants to do. I agree with you too, 100%. I think he's probably in that same. I was shocked um, when I interviewed Darnell Mabry a couple weeks ago. I didn't know this, but apparently they had offered him a contract earlier in the year um, or earlier in the in the, I guess, a few months ago, which I was shocked to hear. I don't know if they pulled it off. You know, obviously he hasn't signed it yet, um, which I was kind of surprised to hear. I thought they'd just assume let's play out the season. And we'll see where we're at next year as he goes into restricted free agency. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, he's probably a little bit angry, but, you know, he's a 22nd pick overall. 22nd picks don't, you know, it's 50-50 when they're still in the league after a few years. So he's, no doubt he's done really well with that. But um, I, I hope he has that chip on his shoulder because I think it makes for a better player. And, you know, and competition makes for better either. I don't want to hand anything just to Bobby Portis. I, if out of the two, if I had to say you got to choose one, I'd definitely take Parker Portis. Wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, assuming Parker plays well and looks healthy, then I'll take him over Portis as well. So it sounds like we're sort of agreeing with Felipe here that if Bobby is seeking something in the vicinity of $13 million, we're probably happy with trading because, um, one, he's not worth that amount, and two, the Bulls have options um, that around him that they don't necessarily need to keep Portis. He's a bit of a luxury at this point. But mm-hmm. uh, moving on to the next question, Fred. This one comes in from uh, Bruno Guimardes. Apologies, Bruno, if I've uh, destroyed that pronunciation, which I probably have. But this one here is for you, Fred. Or, well, in part for me as well. But he asks, after the Bulls inevitably, inevitably fail to hit CBE Fred's prediction of a 40-plus win season, 
what do you think his excuse will be? So, Fred, let me ask you, what's the excuse from your end if the Bulls <laughs> fail to win 44 to 47 wins, as you have predicted? Oh, it's a great question. All right, so fantastic question. I, I'm going to use I'm going to use this to go into my my uh, logic behind my prediction. Oh Jesus! Six teams, six teams I have ahead of the Bulls. I got Toronto, Boston, Philly, who I think are we can all agree in a class by themselves, and then a little slight tier below. You got Indiana, Milwaukee, and the Wizards. Milwaukee just lost one of their best players. We took him from them, but you know they're still ahead of us, no doubt. The Wizards are ahead of us. Tons of problems. Indiana just signed the great Doug McDermott, so you know they're on a roll. We're seven. I got us seven. What team, Mark, what team do you feel is ahead of us outside of those six? Well, I would say Detroit are ahead of the Bulls. Oh, come on. Well, they, they were last season. They, they should be this season. A full season. They were under... last season because we were trying to lose. I mean, but that's not that hard to do. They've still got talent on that team, Fred. They've still got Blake Griffin. They've got Andre Drummond. Reggie Jackson. And he's the... healthy all the time. Well, I mean, the Bulls players aren't necessarily healthy. You've got Zach Levine and Jabari Parker. There's three ACLs between them. Uh, I don't think we can necessarily, uh, you know, champion health. Chris Dunn missed a lot of time last season as well. Cameron Payne. There's guys on the Bulls roster who uh, have a propensity to get hurt as well. So we can't necessarily throw that one around. But I liked what they did. Be the honest with me. Be honest with me. I'm being honest with you always. Well, I want, you, I want to ask you a question. Going forward, would you rather have the Bulls roster or the Pistons roster? Not for this year, going forward. Going forward in a uh, long term, of course I'd rather have the Bulls roster, but we're talking about next season. And I, I think okay. the Detroit Pistons will be better than the Bulls next season. I think you can make an argument that the Hornets will be better than the Bulls next season. Again, they're more experienced. They're, they, they're more seasoned. They're not necessarily relying on a heap of younger players, which the Bulls are. So depending on what they do with Kemba Walker, assuming he stays around, then I would say the Hornets are better than the Bulls as well. So that rounds out your eight. So I would expect Chicago to fall in that nine to 10 range. So, I mean, the Hornets, I judge a team based on, I'm standing at a playground and I'm picking teams, myself and my next friend. And we're we're going against each other. I think you'd be shocked at how many bulls you take in the first ten ahead of the Hornets. I I really think you would. I Kemba Walker probably number one, maybe. I'd say the next three or four would probably be bulls, and six out of ten would be bulls. At least probably seven out of ten. You know, I, I, that's fine. I you want to say the Hornets? That's fine. You want to say Miami? That's fine. You want to say Detroit? That's fine. Anybody who just sits down and says those teams are definitely going to be ahead of us and are definitely better than us, I don't know how you can make that argument. I think it's entirely possible the Bulls, with with the seven guys I mentioned before, are going to be much – I think they're clearly more talented, and you admitted that going forward, could be better this season than any of those teams. So, therefore, if you're seventh in the East, you're going to have over 40 wins. You're playing the East more often, and I don't. I still am shocked how many people don't understand that concept that – you know, we're in the East, which means we'll play the East more often, and we, yet we're going to get waxed against the West. Well, so will the Hornets, and so will Detroit, and so will Miami. When it, we're playing each other in the East, I think I like our chances, and I think we'll be a playoff team next year. I'd be shocked if we're not, and I think Fred Hoiberg should be fired if we're not. Interesting. So let's let's talk Hoiberg, because we've got a question in here from um, at devdam2021 on Twitter. He asks, what would it take for Hoiberg to mess around and get himself fired this or next season? You sort of answered that uh, that question, but how confident do you believe the front office is in believing Hoiberg to be the coach of the future, Fred? I don't think Pax is very confident in, in, in Hoiberg at all. 
I don't think he wasn't confident. I don't think he had the confidence in him when he was hired. You know, I think that was a gar hire. I, I had no problem with it. I thought he did a lot of great things at Iowa State. I love some of the creative offensive, you know, theories that he had. But, you know, since he's been here in his defense, he really hasn't been given the talent that you'd probably prefer. There's two types of coaches in the world. There's the coaches like Thibodeau and Bobby Knight who uh, force the talent to adapt to their system. And then there's another type of coaches like Popovich who uh, take these, uh, adapt the system to the talent. You know, I much prefer the latter. You can have success with the former. Uh, I think Hoiberg is kind of like the former, believe it or not. I think he's got this system and he's going to, and he wants the talent to, to play in his system. And obviously the first year he was here, they didn't even remotely try to play in that system because the talent, you know, was ball stopping and, you know, with Jimmy and, and Derek and, and, and Gasol wasn't really moving it. Gasol less so. He kind of felt fit in well with it. But, um, you know, that's what he wants, our guys that can hit the three. This is the first year, I think, that he actually has the tools now. You got Parker who's at 38% plus. You got, you know, Valentine, 38% plus. Levine's going to be healthy all year. who's shown he can hit the three. Um, Wendell Carr Jr. can hit the three. Obviously, Markin. And, I mean, no more excuses, Fred. Portis, too. This is what you wanted. This is the offensive system that you 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 got. Let's see how it goes here. I think you have the talent finally to run the system that you have. And if you can't make it run with a young team and no vets really that are going to cause any problems for you, then pound sand and get out of here and go back to the college game. I, this team has enough talent to be a playoff team. And, and if they're not, he should be fired. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting because he's coming into year four of his of the of a five year deal. So we know like we know the Bulls don't like to, I guess, have coaches sitting around uh, getting paid doing nothing. So there's that thing to consider. But look, you make some reasonable points there that Hoiberg does now have a roster that I guess fits his ideology. He didn't have that when he came in. The Bulls clearly weren't a championship contender, even though that's what the front office thought they may still be. And Hoiberg couldn't manage those egos. He has no egos now here in the sense of veterans. But I, I would still suggest that he has, I guess, young guys with competing interests at at hand. And, and you mentioned before that you had Darnell Mabry on your podcast. And he wrote a really good piece up on The Athletic about how there's a lot of players on this roster who have, I guess, a competing interests. They, they, have, they have agendas, yeah. exactly. So I think managing the... the uh, the locker room is still going to be a challenge for Hoiberg, giving one his personality, but two all these competing interests and, and agendas. But I kind of I, I can understand where you're coming from that he does now have this roster that is more college suited, I guess, in the fact that they're all young guys and they're, they're more suited to play offense, which which is that was he what he was built to be this offensive guru. So in the sense that I can understand why some people would be putting it on Ho, uh, Hoiberg and, and why this is going to be an important season to him, but I think it's shaping up that if he does or if the Bulls don't have a, a really strong season, if they win you know closer to twenty five games than forty games then I can easily see him becoming the scapegoat and in reality, maybe costing himself the job. But we'll see about well, hold that on one. one second. I, I do want to say one more thing about this because Fred is supposed to be the offensive coach, right? And we've yeah. never that, – that's what he's supposed to do. And, you know, good thing, in my opinion. You know, last season, Houston Golden State, they were one and two in offensive efficiency. Cleveland was six. In defensive efficiency, uh, defensive efficiency Houston was fifth. Golden State was ninth. Cleveland was 29th. This mindless mantra we have in Chicago of, uh, you know, defense wins championships, it's, it's no longer true. 
You need to have a combination. And I dare on the side of more offense. So I believe now the Bulls have three players that can average 20 points per game. Parker, Markin, and Levine. Those three guys can do it. Fred, show us what you got. You got the talent now. Make it happen. If it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, I'm just sick of the excuses. He had plenty of excuses for years one and two. I'm fine with that. And last year, obviously, there was an excuse. You were trying to tank. And there were some really nice things I saw at points during that year. Uh, so I think he has the ability. I have no doubt he has the ability to be a coach. But at some point, you guys, you got to stop with the excuses and have to translate that offense to a top 10 offense. You have top 10 talent, make it a top 10 offense. Well, that's a good segue, Fred, because the next, next question comes in from, again from Tweet6. He asks, what's more likely, the Bulls being a top top eight offense or a top 20 defense. So you just mentioned there that you need a combination of both offense and defense, but what do you think is more likely a top eight offense or a top 20 defense? I think a top eight offense should be expected. And here's why there aren't many teams in the league that can have a four and a five hit the three at a 30% or a higher rate. The bulls have three guys that can do that. You got Portis who can do it. Marketing who can do it. Wendell Carter Jr. can do it. And even if you slide Parker to the four, you can make that argument. He could do it. So they have four guys. That's a rare combo. You don't see that a lot. And when you can have a four and a five step out and hit the three, that just opens up runways. I mean, it's, it's tailor-made for Levine and Dunn to attack the rim and rim rock. And it, that's what you want. And it, it amazes me that um, this team – should, uh, there's no doubt that this team Mark Le, Levine should average 20 points a game on this team if Markman if Markman's on the court because it's just going to spread the floor. It's, it, it, I think it's a perfect offense just to, for them to to really spread the floor and if they can all be hitting at that kind of rate, that's going to be hard to guard. There's nothing more frustrating for a four and a five than having to go out and pick up a guy you know 35 feet away. It sucks. They don't want to do it. And uh, guarding guys out that far, they prefer to hang around the rim, not expend as much energy. Ever watch Boogie Cousins? That's what he likes to do, just hang around the rim. A lot of the big, you know, the big fours and fives in the league. So having those guys being able to hit shots is so huge. And um, I was really a little bit disappointed last year. You saw it with Nico. Nico did. He played really well. Shot 42% from, from three when he was here uh, for us. If you're able to do that and you got to force those fours and five out, it's going to make everybody else that much better. Yeah, I think I think the the top eight offense is probably more likely than a top twenty defense, given how many bad defenders the Bulls have on the wings, and it really only takes one injury to someone like Robin Lopez or even Chris Dunn for this off uh, sorry this defense to really tank itself. So. I think a top eight offense, whilst I don't think it's going to happen, I think it's far more likely than a top 20 defense. But um, we'll see. In, in Hoiberg's era, uh, even though he's been built as this offensive guy, his, his defense has always been better than expected and his offense has always been pretty bad. So you can put That's that right. down to the talent. But um, on this occasion, he hopefully has the offensive talent. But I think the top eight offense is probably more likely than a top 20 defense. But I would say that the balls will, will be neither. But... Um, we shall I'd see. agree. Fred, I know you've got to go shortly, so let's close on these last I, few I, questions. I got, I got a few more. I got a few more minutes. I just uh, texted, so I got uh, 10 to 15, brother. Well, let's well there you go. What a, what a guy, Bulls fans. He's making extra time for us here on oh, Bulls HQ. Fred, exactly. always accommodating for us. But look, let's, let's close on these very important questions. They're questions about our relationship, our friendship, Fred, our budding friendship. Uh, so this one comes in from at Bulls fan DE. He asks, 
do you both really hate each other or is it only PR? So Fred, <laughs> out of interest, how, how do you feel about me? Do, do you hate me or are we friends? Of course not. Of course, I. That's another thing too. I don't understand when people think I'm like filled the hate for Heinrich or, or Tibbs or even you. You, you don't understand I, I don't how people anybody. think that. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I mean, we've we've gotten a couple heated arguments, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. But I, I think you would also concur. I enjoy your company. I enjoy chatting with you, and I think we have a a very good, you know, love hate relationship. You love me. I sometimes hate you. Overall, I think we get along very well. And and uh, I, I don't think it's a, a, at all a negative thing. I think, it, you know, overall, I think some people might think that we're serious sometimes. Well, I know I know they do. And I don't think we're being serious. You're, you're no Twaddle and Sylvie. I can't tell you how many people thought you were being honest. <laughs> I don't – I hope you weren't being honest. I didn't think you were. Uh, I go, you know, I know, you know. So, I mean, so many people sent me texts or emails on it. And, you know, this guy's out to get you. And I'm like, I, I don't think that's remotely true. <laughs> well, there's always some what? truth in humor, Fred. I'll say that. Well, Waddle and Sylvie, there you go. Waddle and Sylvie sent out a poll. Do you love C. Right Fred? And I think I got, I think I got sixty-eight percent like me. Ray was sixty-two. It was somewhere in the sixty. So you just fall in that thirty-eight to thirty-two percent that, uh, you know, just can't dig what I'm bringing, and it's fine. I'm fine with it. Yeah. But no, no I don't hate you. I, I know you're a fine young gentleman, and I'm looking forward to a time when we are celebrating our seventh title in 2020 at Grant Park. Be I, I look forward to that time too, and I look forward to one day calling you an acquaintance, Fred. And to that point, I, I'm not sure if Sylvie's actually responded to that. Uh, I, I I know he mentioned that he would uh, raise that issue on the on 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 the air on the airways rather, but he hasn't. I haven't heard him necessarily raise that now, given it, it's it's Cubs season. It's it's uh, the NFL is starting, so there's not much Bulls talk happening. I'm assuming on Chicago radio. But he hasn't brought that up. I might have to raise that back with Sylvie and, and ask him what's going on. You know, has has Fred been given that full time ban? But well, I'm know. supposed to be on on Friday. Oh, so yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I'll bring it up. And bring it up, please, because I'll. Of course, I'll, 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 I'm not going to be banned. They're the number one show in Chicago, and I'm helping bring in the ratings. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, I got a question for you. Okay. How many more questions we got? Because I got a question for you. Yeah, we got about three or four. All right. Do you want me to wait till the end, or do you want me to give it to you now? Oh, just just hit me now. Do you feel the Celtics are the likely contender in the East? Yes. I mean, the, the all right. Okay. Good. 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 Do you believe that the Bulls can contend without a top ten player? No. Now let me show you the error in your logic. Okay. <laughs> all right. Show why you're wrong. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Curry, Harden, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard. Embiid, Anthony Davis, and Westbrook. Those are the nine players in Tier 1. I don't think anybody should debate that. Do mm-hmm. you agree? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Who's your 10th? I don't know. I wasn't really listening, but go on. <laughs> okay. Who's your 10th player? I'm, that's my good. So tell me who do you think should is a top 10 player in this league? My point, bigger point is the Celtics don't have a top 10 player. If, and so how can you tell me the Bulls have to have a top 10 player when they don't? The Bulls are making the exact same team the Celtics are. So the Celtics will lean a little bit towards defense, and the Bulls lean a little bit towards offense. Anybody who's going to tell me Irving's a top 10 player is nuts. You're not going to take Irving over Damian Lillard. You can take him over Paul George. How about Jimmy Butler? How about Oladipo, Porzingis, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Chris Paul? I can go on and on. He's about 14. 
maybe 15, especially after the, after the injury. So how, my young friend from Australia, can the Celtics be the clear victor or favorite in the East, yet the Bulls can't without a top 10 player? The, the reason for that, or the answer to your question, is because the, the Celtics have done pretty much something that we haven't really ever seen before, and that's be being able to amass these young guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, who look like absolute studs in themselves, whilst bringing in really good veterans, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and now Horford. So they've been able to build this, this team that is full of depth because another team has basically been gifting them draft picks. They're, at, they're an outlier in that sense, Fred. So when I say you can't win without a top 10 player, that's, that's speaking generally. Um, that's the whole reason okay. why the Bulls supposedly had to get rid of uh, Jimmy Butler because he alone wasn't good enough to help them uh, win or contend. So you need depth, you need um, help. And in that sense, the Boston Celtics, whilst they may not have a top 10 player, so to speak, I think they've got uh, several players who are probably you know, in that, let's call it 11 to 30 range depending on how uh, Gordon Hayward looks when he comes back. So they may have three players there, along with Tatum and Brown. So that's a pretty damn good team. So I do not agree that the Bulls are building a similar team, a team to the Celtics. But to throw it from your question, this sort of comes back in, in relation to a, a, a listener question that we had received. This one comes from our friend um, Gustavo Vega. He asks... Who's smarter? Now, based on that question that you just posed, Fred, I, I think that you know the answer to that. Who's smarter, you or me? Correct, yeah. I got I got a 29 on ACT. Do you, you guys have the ACT in Australia? No, but I, I'm assuming that's out of 100, so 29's bad. <laughs> no, 29's a very good score. So yeah. I have the proof in the pudding. I don't know what you scored. I'm sure it's well. I'm sure. What, it's, what's uh, the max score? Give me, give me some context. Uh, I think it was 36. I think it's a 36 is the max score. So okay. I was... Upper percent. I went to the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. Uh, I'm brilliant. I think anybody can, you know, figure that out by listening to me for ten minutes. And uh, humble. So I'm, I'm humble like, too. I don't like to brag. I don't like to brag. Well, yeah. Well, the question is, who's smarter? You know, I, I, I'm just gonna. I'll go to my school work and, and what I've done in the past. But, but that question. I mean, it's kind of a difficult tweets? question to answer. I think my tweets are are very very intelligent and, yeah. and, and thought provoking. I definitely agree. When, when I see them, I think the same thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so thanks for uh, Gus for sending that question in. Of course, he was. I love that fun. guy. He's a good he's guy. He's always got the always got the replays ready, and I, I love him. He's, I, I can't wait to meet him when he comes out. We're all going out to dinner. Me, him, you, Gus, uh, Mar- Marbury. We're gonna all gonna go out. It's gonna be a good time. Great time. I can't wait. So the next question, again, th- thinking about me and you, Fred. This one comes in from Hoop Center. He, this one's aimed more at me. So he asks. If you own the Bulls and you had to hire CBE Fred to be part of your staff, what role would you give him? Would you give him the GM job, head coach, Benny the Bull, the Jordan statue polisher, maybe even a role in basketball operations? So it's an interesting, interesting question. It's one I've been thinking a lot about, and, and he mentions his staff specifically, so he's probably thinking off the court. But Fred, uh, you've been on my podcast before a few times and you often mention your your high school basketball career and if I think about that and I think about the Bulls being a young team needing, you know, a veteran experience, I'd probably bring you on as a player to be honest with you. 
Now, I, that would probably be a good move. I think I, it would I, be a good move because they need some veteran experience. And you just mentioned how smart you are, so you would you may be a good presence in the locker room. And you know, if you were Player a point coach. guard probably back in the day, but you know, given that you're getting on in age, you probably can only play center at this point, and you're probably a little faster than uh, Cristiano Felicio, and uh, definitely um, faster than Amir Ashik at this point. I'll give you that much. So, I think at a, at a vet minimum deal, I'd probably bring you in as a center and. As you're starting to get acclimatized, you, you, you're living your dream, you're, you're putting on that Bulls jersey, you're running out on the court where Michael and Pippen and all these great Bulls, all these championships, all this history, you're living out your dream, Fred, just as you're starting to feel part of the franchise. And I've been thinking about this. I would then trade you to the New York Knicks. <laughs> and that would be. And then I'd lead them to the playoffs. And, uh, to I would tell you a good story, true story. 2009, about my basketball career with the Bulls. Here 2009, I don't know how it happened. My wife somehow got me in a fantasy camp at the Berto Center. And Jakeem Noah coached one team, and Bill Wennington coached the other team. And it was full of refs, cheerleaders. I don't, I don't know how in the world she got this for me was one of the greatest things I ever did. So I showed up at the gym like two hours before game time. There was literally nobody. In the to party. stretch? <laughs> there was literally, there was nobody for any, the, the whole place was locked. Uh, waited for, you know, a good hour. Finally, the janitor came, opened it up. I, I go in. So I'm the first guy in the gym, start you know, shooting jump after jump or building up good sweat. Noah walks in. And I, I walked over to him. And if you recall, this was right after that epic Boston series. And, uh, and it was unfortunately right after Ben Gordon left for Detroit. So I walked up, I walked up to him, nobody else in the gym. I go, Hey, Joaquin, I just got to tell you when you stole that ball from Pierce and dunked on him in game six, it's one of the best moments I've ever had as a Bulls fan. And I swear to gosh, he gives me like a high five. We grab each other's hand and we hug each other. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And then we went on talk for the next hour. It was so great. So anyhow, uh, flash forward to they pick teams, and I'm not on Jakeem's team. I'm on Bill Wennington's team. And, you know, how old would I have been then? I was probably like 33. It was 10 years ago, nine years ago, so I'm 44 now. So uh, I don't know why he didn't start me, but I was on the – oh, I know why, because we were arguing about Ben Gordon. I was yelling at him. He was yelling at me (laughs) about Ben Gordon. And so I look up, and we're down 10 to 4. And I'm like, Bill, enough of this arguing. Get me in this thinking game so I can save us. <laughs> I come in, I come in, and I, I hit about a the first time I get the ball, I shoot it from about 30 feet, swish, three pointer. Oh, I'm not kidding. It's all true. I swear on everybody I hold dear. Is there evidence of this? Like, the, the next time, the next time down, fake the three, drove to about the free throw line, stop and pop, knock it down. So, in like in the set, in like within like 45 seconds, I had, you know, going from uh, 10 to 4 to 10 to 9. And I, as I'm running back, I yelled at Noah. I run up to Noah, who's coaching the other team, and go, you better get somebody in here to stop me. Because this is going to, you know, like I started talking talking smack to him. <laughs> and then I saw him send a guy to the, from, on, from the bench to the scores table. Flash forward the next two minutes, no stoppage of play. You know, go down one time, go down another time, go down time another time. And I have to call out a game because I thought I was having the corner. <laughs> so, so, so the next stoppage of play, I'm leaving the game, and the guy that he sent in to guard me is coming in, and Noah starts screaming at me. For, hey, 
I thought you said you could. I just sent a guy in to stop you. I thought you said you were going to say. I mean, it was it was so hot in there. That's why. But I so anyhow, that's a little bit of my history. I, I, I definitely was a, an excellent shooter who's Doug Tonus can attest. But uh, I got a little bit out of shape at some point. Yeah, just a <laughs> little. But um, look, great story, Fred. Um, and Thank look, you. It, it gives more credence to my point that I should bring you on as a as a center of sorts, some some on a vetman deal, and then trade your ass to to the New York Knicks. They <laughs> they, they definitely could new, uh, use a talent like you whilst Porzingis is out. So that's, I'm awesome um, in two minute stretches. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, look, I'll ask you this question. I, I, I want to say that you wanted to stay on this podcast to, just to talk with me for an extra 10 minutes and you made yourself available to us for an extra little 10 minutes here. But part of me now is thinking that you only wanted to stay on so you could drop that story on us and just make a <laughs> humble brag of it. There's even a better part two. You want to hear it? Uh, we'll save it for next time. We'll save it for next time. We're, we're running long here. So let's, let's get to the last question that, um, that I've got la- uh, lined up here. And this one's from um, Matt Gentile and... And it sort of relates to what we've been talking about, me and you, and coming to this story that you just thankfully uh, dropped on us. It was um, it was great. But he asks, when can we expect a full-time podcast featuring you two, as in me and you, Fred? When can that be expected? When are you moving to Chicago? It's so hard to put these together because you're, you know, backward Australian time. Well, you keep canceling. This is this is this is my problem with you. you. One, you don't understand how to use a DMs on Twitter. I, I send you a DM on Twitter, and it takes you at least forty eight hours to respond. So it might be an hey, age man. thing that you don't know how to use the tool. But just for the record, Fred, I believe you cancelled this podcast three weeks ago. Is is that not right? Well, then no, it was last week. Hey, man. So I, I've got another job, believe it or not. This is not my full-time thing. And I had to travel for it. So I, I was leaving on Saturday. And, I, I, you know, I got two kids. They, they're busy, too, and demanding my attention. As much as I love your brother, on the, uh, on the, on the, the, the hierarchy of uh, who to please, you're probably about, you know, somewhere between, you know, 290 and 298. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> sorry I had to cancel. I got a way to solve it. Talk to Australia. Let me put a call in to the Prime Minister about getting you guys on Central Standard Time. It worked great. Just shift the whole continent to our time. We've got no more problems. Well, um, I'll leave you to I'll, I'll leave you to try and sway that with um, the Australian Prime Minister. I'm not sure how successful successful rather you'll be in um, achieving that, but um, right in campaign. We'll see how it works. Yeah, the, so t- what the time, time is zones- it right now? It's ten thirty a uh, ten thirteen a.m. on a Sunday morning. So I've woken up early on my Sunday to facilitate this time to get this out to to the people so they can hear your voice. But you're saying I'm I'm not even top two hundred and fifty on your priorities. It's it's well. There's a lot of people in my life. I mean, there's a lot of people I got to make happy. You'll well, see how it is. I can imagine with a man of your many talents, it's you're uh, you're often in demand. So I, I understand. So to answer the question, probably not a full time podcast coming anytime soon. Oh man! Well, 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 maybe we'll try to figure something out. Maybe like a biannual podcast with you and me called the uh, the big big red blimp or something. We'll figure it out. I mean, especially if the Bulls go as I expect them to do on a playoff run next year, we got to do this more often, just so I could laugh at all the people who doubted me. Yeah, well, look, we'll see about that. We'll see. I, I kind of like our schedule at the moment, which is very few and far between. So, uh, <laughs> which is a perfect way to end this, Fred. 
I appreciate you coming on and helping me answer all these questions that we did get in from all the listeners. And again, I appreciate everyone sending them through. It was a real fun uh, experience for me, as it always is with Fred. Uh, I was going to say Fred Hoiberg there, but with Fred Pfeiffer. Um, Fred, before we uh, get away, tell people where they can follow you online, even though I'm sure they already are doing so, or if they may have already blocked you. But if um, you know, they, if you want to block <laughs> Fred, please tell him. Please uh, tell the people where they um, can block you at. You could always go uh, at CBE, as in Chicago Bullseye, at CBE Fred. You can email me at ChicagoBullseye at gmail.com. Go to ChicagoBullseye.com, where I'm on the big red bus with the great one, Doug Tonus, or Chicago Bullseye, which is uh, a lot more Fred-centric. It's it's all good. It's all good. And uh, any other, you, know, you can always hear me with Waddle and Sylvie usually once a week. Yeah, and being serious for a, mo- for a moment, the, the last podcast that you did with Darnell Mabry was actually a really good listen to. So uh, I would actually suggest going in um, and listening to that one that Fred did on Chicago Bullseye with Darnell Mabry. That was a good listen. Darnell educated Fred on a few topics there and <laughs> laughed in his face when the Bulls would win for uh, 44 and 40, 44 to 47 wins. I, I found that moment absolutely hilarious. So um, that was a great that. listen, Fred. I actually legitimately enjoyed that one. Thanks a lot, Mark. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I thought it was very, uh, very respectful overall podcast for both brilliant minds, Darnell and myself. Definitely. And look, we'll definitely get you back on once the season has started because for those listeners who aren't aware, Fred and I have a bet going on at, on at the moment that if the Bulls win between 44 and 47 games, then I have to be t- uh, have to wear a Denzel Valentine jersey, I believe, and take photo evidence of that and put it on Twitter because I would, would have lost the bet. However, if the Bulls lo- uh, win less than 44 games, then Fred has to put on a Kirk Heinrich jersey and take photographic evidence of himself in a, in a Heinrich jersey and put that online. So, Fred, I'll probably get you on sometime at the season and just see how we're sort of that bet's progressing, I reckon. That's going to be awesome. Can you imagine if it goes down to the last week? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> We're man. trying to. T- <laughs> I just wish I would have made you get the tattoos, too. That would have been my only other part. <laughs> would have loved to do. You got to get the replica tattoos. Oh, yeah. All right, brother. Next time, next hey, season. Man. All right, mate. Well, thanks yeah. for coming on. No, I loved it. Love it. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, Fred. It's always good to talk to you, Mark. All right, folks. So that was CBE Fred. Follow him on, on Twitter at CBE Fred. Tune into his podcast and, and being serious for a, for a moment. I always do tune into Fred's stuff. Um, sometimes I laugh, but um, all the time I'm always tuning in now. I suggest Bulls fans should do that generally. Um, I've mentioned this before. Fred is probably the most optimistic Bulls fan I know. And, you know, he, he can be passed off as a bit of a homer online. And I say a bit of, but he definitely is. But he's always fun to interact with online. And go listen to his stuff. Go interact with him. He's fun. He's crazy. And, and you um, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. And again, thanks for everyone to sending in those questions. We couldn't get to them all. There we, we got in a, a fair response, actually. But uh, we got through most of them. But again, thank you all for sending through questions. Really appreciate that. Follow me online at Twitter. On, uh, or on Twitter rather, at MK Hoops. Follow the podcast at Bulls HQ Pod on Twitter as well. So again, thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you all again next time.
I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.